Ali is a Palestinian, he's a human being who lives in a refugee camp. The place actually that programs your, your mentality and your way of thinking in, in, in a certain way. Actually, after several things, probably I don't have time to, to talk about them, that transformed me and my way of thinking totally. So a survivor of a terrorist attack and a Palestinian walk through the door. Sounds like a joke, but I cannot believe I'm telling you this really happened to me. Yes, this is the Mideast Beast podcast, Molly Livingstone, your host in Jerusalem. Alex is going to have to sit this one out because you guys have to listen to this incredible interview that I had with the Palestinian refugee Ali. That is what we are going to be calling him because for safety reasons, he cannot say who he actually is, where he actually is from, and we can't even use his real voice. I'm joined with him in the interview by Kay Wilson. Kay Wilson is a survivor of a vicious terrorist attack here in Israel about six years ago. She and her friend were brutally attacked in a forest. Uh, She watched her friend die, and she basically faked her death. Um, She was stabbed many, many, many times crawled out of the forest, guts out, and survived. She has incredible stories. You can find her online. She's everywhere. She's done TED Talks. But here in my home, with my baby, of course, whining in the background, she and Ali give a very raw version of what it is to be here in Israel. And then I come in and say some dumb stuff. So you're going to want to listen to this. Share your thoughts with me. What do you think? You think he's just a spy? You think he's legit? Drank the Kool-Aid? Or do you think that maybe, maybe we're all just human beings that can actually figure out a way, better than the politicians, how to figure this crap out? And by crap, I mean peace. By peace, I mean I don't know. Listen in. I am sitting in my house with a new friend, Ali. You are from a refugee camp, a Palestinian. And my good friend, Kay Wilson, we'll see if she's still my good friend after the interview, who has brought him here. And before we started, she was trying to tell me what the interview is not. So what is this not about, Kay? This is not about Jews feeling guilty, about, you know, a so-called occupation, or Jews feeling guilty and doing good works for Arabs in the Palestinian Authority. And it's not about politics, it's not about a two-state solution, it's not about a one-state solution, this is about humanity, okay? This is about... Well, I won't say what it's about. Okay. So, Kay, why did you bring Ali to me? Let's start there, and then we'll interview him as he kindly sits and waits. Um, I brought him to you, firstly, because I think he's an amazing young man who has grown up in extraordinary circumstances, and his voice needs to be heard. That's one thing. Secondly, I've been thinking things over the last couple of years, and I actually had the same idea as Ali. And by fortune, I won't say how we met, I realized that we we have the same idea and we can both work together for a stronger Israel, uh, which is obviously my priority. And uh, that's why I want him to, I want his message, our message to be heard. And just to like minimize who you are a little bit, you are a survivor of a terror attack almost six years ago 
where you watched your friend, you were her tour guide in a forest, and you watched her be butchered by terrorists. <laughs> it's not a good night story. You survived, although you were stabbed many times. How is it that now you're in this position? Okay, so first of all, to qualify, when I face these murderers in court, who I don't forgive them, let that be very clear, I ask myself, how can two men who were once little boys grow up and hold a machete in one hand, a mulberry in the other, and hack at innocent women without blinking an eye? Okay, and a lot of it, most of it, in my understanding, is about education, how you educate your children, and about the incitement in the Palestinian Authority and Hamas, okay, that they teach their kids that Jews are pigs and monkeys and unworthy of life. So I've been advocating for the last couple of years of stopping the funding of the Palestinian Authority until they decide that they're not going to pay the people who tried to murder me. But uh, now I want to do a more proactive campaign, and that's why I have Ali here. So in comes Ali. And we're also, by the way, this is not your real name. And I think it's important to just say that. We're not going to say your real name. We're distorting your voice. We can't say where exactly you're from, which is really part of the problem that Kay works with a lot of Arabs who want to come out of the woodwork and say, we want to live together. We want to have an education that can bring us together. And yet, by doing that, your own people may attack you. So why are you doing this? Let's start with that. Let's start with something who is Ali. I mean, <laughs> Ali is a Palestinian, he's a human being who lives in a refugee camp. The place actually that programs your, your mentality and your way of thinking in, in, in a certain way. Actually, after several things, probably I don't have time to, to talk about them, that transformed me and my way of thinking totally. Actually, I, I figure out that I'm a human being and there is a human being lives also on the other side. It's not the image that my, my culture and my society and my authority and my, you know, like draw that image and wanted to impose it in my image and figure out it's totally, it was totally wrong. So why are you with Kane? Actually, let me put it this way, 70 years of conflict between Arabs and Jews. All what we have is suffering and sorrow and sadness. That is the, that is the result. I figured out it's the time to try something different, you know. Try something actually non-violent. Try the peace. Try try something totally different than the 70 years old way of dealing with this conflict. So I figure out actually I can reach out people in the other side. People like Kay and a lot of our like, Jewish friends. They can help me and they can be my partners in doing something. But if you were, as you said, raised in this culture of hate and hating the other side, and that's the education, how did you, as Ali, decide maybe the Jews aren't what they are saying, maybe I should reach out? How do you make that switch? Uh, let me put it this way. I, <laughs> since I was a kid, I didn't find myself belong to that to that place. That is, I don't want to talk about even the relation between the Arab and the Jews and the violence, how it controls them, but I just I just want to talk about my place, how the violence controls the place. And I didn't find myself belong to that culture that is everything actually ruled there by violence, everything being treated by violence. So first of all, I didn't find myself in that place. So I used to be like someone who's, who doesn't have a lot of friends, doesn't have a lot of relations, because I'm trying to, to escape from that. Two years ago, actually, um, I was on Facebook and believe me, like if you ask me two years ago what your thoughts about the Jews and, and, the, and the Israelis, I will tell you the hater and the Zionists and the, my enemy and the occupiers and the criminals and all of that. And I didn't believe in something called peace, seriously. As my culture and my community raised me, 
what was taken by violence, we will never come back but only but violence. So um, two years ago, it was like a, a friend of mine who was peace activist with an organization, I don't want to mention it, and he was posting about their activities with the Israeli left and how they go to demonstrate, you know, against the occupation and all that. And he, he posted a, an, about an event that they went to Ramallah to meet some people there, some Palestinians. And for me, I attacked him, actually. I bashed him. Like, first of all, how, how, how you dare to post something? Like, about what damn peace are you talking about? Second thing, like, if you want to go, even if you want to make peace, at least go to the ones and meet the ones who are actually can rule that peace and can make that peace. Don't go to Ramallah and the class that they had nothing to do with the conflict and you are asking for their peace. You are going to the wrong people. And I was bashing him and bashing the, 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 the ones who are commenting. And, the, and then an Israeli guy, actually, a settler, he saw my comments and he, he texted me and told me, like, I'm interested to, to see your thoughts, like, to whom we are supposed to go. So, actually, I didn't figure out that he's a settler. So, I, I went out and I checked his profile and I figured out he's a settler. So, I, I bashed him. Like, how you dare, you settler, to, to, to text a Palestinian, a Palestinian refugee? Like, how you dare to do this? Somehow he broke the ice and started to talk about and I, I, I told him like, first of all, you are a problem. You as a settler, you are a problem. So you are not supposed to be part of the solution. And he told me, you know, you, are, you look interested and I, I, I want to meet you. Can you come and visit me in my place? I told him, no way, no way. Because actually for two reasons. The first thing is like, I didn't see that guy is even legitimate to talk to me because he's a settler. The second thing is I was so scared because the only image that I have it about the settlers People with guns just want to kill me. That's it. The only thought that come to my mind, like, he want to trap me. He's, he want to drag me to some place and probably burn me, kill me. I don't know, but I was seriously scared. Don't blame me for this. This is how, how the image that grow up with me when I'm living in such place and such culture, and such, such community and under such rule. So uh, I told him, I'm, I can't. I can't meet you anymore. Then he told me, so, okay, you, you don't want to come to my place? Choose a place. And... You know, by, by, by telling me, like, choose a place where so he want to come to my place, not to his place, somehow I start to be less, you know, concerned. Sounds like a guy that's really trying to take a girl out. Okay, go on. Yes. Like, when you want to meet something, if you don't have a problem with him, what, which solution are you talking about? The one who's part of the problem is the one who can make the solution. So I told him, uh, because I need to think. I'm, I'm scared and I'm concerned and I don't know what he wants. And also I'm curious. Then the curiosity wins, actually. So... Next day, I told him, if you want, we can meet at a specific place, which is, I think it's safe for me to be there. Then he came and, like, the more we talked, the more I understood, like, I mean, this is a good guy. This is not like the, how my community and how my culture and how my, my media describe that guy to me. When you first see this guy, what was, like, your initial thoughts? You're seeing this guy in person. Yeah, to be honest, actually, I went before the meeting half an hour earlier just to check that, you know, he will not rob me, it's, it's okay and it's safe for me. I was still, you know, concerned. But when I first met him, nothing demolished yet, till we started talking. Until he told me his story and told me, like, from where he came and where he's living and, and how he also he suffered from my side because he's living in a settlement and one of his cousins, I think, he was attacked and he, or stabbed, something. So he's also suffered from me. Not from me personally, but from my side. Then when he started talking and he started telling me his part of the narrative, because seriously, I, was, I, I thought that I am the victim, so it's only my narrative. There is no another part in that narrative. It's only mine. I am the one who's right. I am the one who's honest. And there is nothing called other part of the narrative. I didn't see that. 
Then he started and I said like, if we the Palestine want to kill such person, it's shame on us, honestly. It's shame. This is also a human being like me and he's living in a place he had nothing to do with me. He didn't hurt me actually, personally. So why I have to attack him or kill him or stab him or I don't know. Then um, he offered me something weird actually because I'm, I'm a refugee, you know, before 1948, my grandfather was living in a, in a, in a place which is uh, Israel now. So he offered me something weird, which is, um, do you want to visit your, your original village? I told him, I'm, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, you're not supposed to do this. The last thing that I can expect is from you to, to offer such things to me. So he told me, yeah, I, I really want you to, to, to visit your original. Something's shocking to, to find an Israeli, a settler, who offers such thing. It's something weird. I don't know, let me, let me think about it. He told me, if you want, I can apply for a permit for you and I can go with you and we can visit the place together. I don't know, so together you want to go with me? He told me, yes. So I don't know, but just let me think because, okay, I'm, I'm in a conflict now. I have something, I have an impression about you. I have, a, you know, an image, pre-image about you. And now you are demolishing that image. So I'm in a conflict now. I want you to understand this. It was the first time I met an Israeli. It was the first time I met a settler. It was the first time I met a Jew. I don't let me let me think about it, and, and I will tell you. It's something so nice initiative to, to, to offer me such thing. I refer to that point at the point that things start to transform in my mind. You have such good English. Yeah. It's unreal. He has like the way he's thinking and telling this story. Beautiful English. Okay, I'm sorry. You trust a settler. You have to trust him if you're going to go with him at this point. And you took the time to think about it, even though it was really scary. And as you said, it was the transformation. I figured out that I don't have anything to lose. You know, I was thinking honestly between me and myself, like if I went with him, if he was honest and trustworthy and he took me to my place, you know, I, I, I have the benefit to be in my village. And if not, if he killed me, you know, I will be dead. I will be a shaheed and I will give a salary from the Palestinian Authority simply. Okay. I don't have anything to lose actually. Even if I was killed, my, my family will benefit from that. Oh my God. <laughs> We're going to put a stop to that. <laughs> so I said, after uh, like two days of being myself and understanding what was going on, two days after I told him, okay, I'm okay with that. I gave him my ID, applied for a permit. I think um, after 10 days, we went together, we took the permit and he brought other guys with him. He introduced them to me, settlers. I start trusting him, actually. I didn't see anything that can, you know, look suspicious. Seriously. And it took me two days to understand that this is, this is a human being like me. He's a person like me. He's, a, he's not the monster that my culture and my media and my community tried to convince me that that's the Jew. So... We went to my village and in the car, we started talking and conversation and everyone tells me his story and then the thing that I will never be able to hear actually, not in the media, not nowhere, unless I, I hear from, from them. So we went there, went to the village, we have, you know, they made my day actually, because that's the, 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 the place where actually my father and my grandfather, they, they told me that this is where you're originally from, but no one of them even thought to take me to that place. And even before, you know, 2000, before the war, before the checkpoint, before, nobody even thought, I mean, they, they were able to do this, to take me to my village, to remind me of my history, but nobody even thought of that. But the settler, the one that he's supposed to be the monster and the enemy, and he's taking me to my village. 
and actually introduced me to other guys who were his, his partner in, in that peace organization. It's a local organization. It, I don't think you will be able to hear about them in the media because sometimes like uh, you, you hear about the guys who, who, are, who are doing nothing, you hear the, about them a lot. But the one who are actually doing things on the ground, you barely hear about them. Because they're actually doing stuff. They don't have the time to show themselves, but they really do things. So uh, then he introduced me actually to his organization and to, the, to his partner and to the, to the Palestinians who are actually working there and partner of that organization, to the settlers. And, you know, by time, I consider, I consider myself as, as a Palestinian soldier or actually educating them about me and about my suffering and about my place and about all the things that's going on in, in my place. And they're also educating me about the history about themselves, about the Jewish identity, about the things that I've never been exposed to, like the Jewish history and the exile and 4,000 years of history and the roots in Judea and Sumer. These things, I will never be able to, you know, to get to know them because nobody is willing to do this in, in my community and my place. The only idea that is actually promoted there, those gangs of Jews, actually, they had no place in this world. And they were hesitating, like, where we are supposed to have our state, in, in Bulgaria or in Palestine, so we choose Palestine, so let's go to Palestine. That's it. Nobody told me what's, what is behind that, that there is a history that I can't deny. Do you tell your parents any of this? Does your family know that you've met with peace activists, that you think differently about Jews, or is this something you don't share on Facebook? I don't share on Facebook at all. I, I like actually to be honest. When I decided to share it with 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 the few friends I have, actually I lost them. But when it comes to my family, I, I, to be honest, I faced. Uh, it's like you are getting out of the stereotype that you have. So I faced some things with my family in the beginning. Actually, of course they opposed it at the beginning, but then I wanted them at some point to see what I saw and to get to know what I know. So I also let them meet the people that I I, I met there. And I help them to meet and I help them to get to know each other. And they now, my mom and my, my sister, they, they, they added them on, on you know, Facebook and on WhatsApp and on the holidays, Shavua Tov and Happy Sukkot. And I also break a barrier even in my house. Right. And this is what I believe. If you want to start something, better to start, to start by yourself, by your circle, you know, family circle. But unfortunately, at this point, I can't go so far. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet, because because also to be honest, like I'm 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 putting myself at risk when I'm doing such thing. Right. You have to understand, like if you want to be, and this is also one of the things that how the community raises you. It's okay if you want to work in Israel. It's okay. You are taking benefits from them. You are benefits from that. If you are to be hospitalized, it's okay. You are you are taking advantages from them. But you know to be in touch with them out of the benefit context, that is you know what is so called normalization. That is a word that is being used left and right. I say that literally and also politically, to keep people like yourself from advancing and bringing others along with you. This idea of you're normalizing it. You are now their enemy. They are after you. So if you could, because we have to wrap up the interview, even though, let's be honest, I have 500 questions. I want to hear all the answers and the long version because... You should do a weekly show with Ali. I'm down. If he yeah. can get here, because you have to get yes. a permit and come into mm -hmm. Jerusalem. But let's just say for this purpose, there's a podcast that I listen to school of greatness and one of the questions that he asks is if you could say anything to the world and they would understand in every language it would be translated if this is your one microphone to the world right here right now on Mideast Peace Podcast what would you say you have the power actually I've never been in such a place that the entire world is listening to me actually so 
Welcome to my world. It's like I've never been imagined such thing that the entire world listening to me. But let me put it this way. Uh, if I want him to hear something, I want him to, to understand what's going on on the ground. This is the Holy Land. This is the land where like religious and history and politics actually part of it. If you want to understand really what's going on, just don't believe what's, what's, what's actually being told in the media. Just don't believe what my politicians say. Just I want you to come here and understand and talk to the people. And for me, I don't want to say that I'm talking by the name or on the behalf of all the Palestinians and other refugees, but I want to talk about my personal experience. If you want to do something, if, I, if you are really interested to, like, to find a solution for this very complicated conflict, just go to the ground and you will figure out there is a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons that actually make this conflict complicated. These reasons you will never hear about them. If you don't go to the streets, if you didn't pay attention to what the people really want, if you pay your attention and you support the politicians, I just want you to know that my politicians, at least my politicians, they're not interested to find any solution. Right. Simply, this conflict is their business. Well said. And this is what you guys are going to be doing now. Yes, we are actually going to create fauda. We're going to make a chaos. Yeah. You want to call it social? Yeah, it's social. It's from people to people. That's it. Far away from the politics, far away from the thing that actually make the people different. Yeah. We are doing things now out of our human things, our, our, out of human feelings, and out of our responsibility as humans who want to create really change on this ground. Instead of embracing perpetual victimhood, which as I as a survivor of terrorism is not kind, noble, moral or true. And Ali feels the same, you know, that the Arabs in these refugee camps, they're feeding off victimhood, UNRWA are making them feel like victims. To be honest, even the Palestinian worker living in the States, he had the victimhood mentality, like he's living the fancy life and he's talking about, you know, I want to go back, but um, I mean, really give me a break. You, you are a citizen there. Just see how many, how many Palestinians, how many Arabs, they immigrate to Europe and this state looking for a citizenship. I don't think you have a right to, to tell me like I need to go back and you already become a citizen. I mean, this is part of the victimhood. Like I'm a victim. My, my grandfather were, you know, kicked out of his land, you know, 70 years ago. I need to go back, but it's okay. But I mean, life is different now. After 70 years, a lot of things changed. I think you have no right to tell me I'm a victim when you're living in a state or a place where you're living. I don't think that you have a right to tell me, you know, I need to go back and I, you're already living. What I take from you and, and what I see in this interview is the idea of actually listening to each other, that mm -hmm. communication of seeing each other just as the human, which is a super duper challenge. Something you said earlier about when it comes to holidays, the Jewish holidays, and here's your sister and your mother saying, even using Hebrew, saying Shavuot Tov. I tried to do that with my Arab friends during Ramadan, to say Ramadan Kareem, right? But I translated when we say as Jewish people during our fast, Yom Kippur, to have an easy fast. I went on Google. I got the Arabic, I copy-pasted it, and one of my Arab friends said, why did you ask me to have easy diarrhea? So we'll leave it there. Uh, you figure out how maybe we just need a little more translation. This is exactly what happened when we want to throw our problem in someone else. Like you want to rely on the translator, but the translator don't understand you, don't understand me. So you see, it causes a misleading yeah. things. When we are the channel, when we the Arabs mm -hmm. and the Jews, we create the channel between us. Okay, you know, like I don't need to throw my problem. Like you, the European, you have to come and solve my problem. You, the Americans, you have to come. No, no. We are the ones who actually are living there. We are the ones who are familiar with our problems, with, with our part of the problem. And we are the ones who can really solve the problem. Well, I'm taking Arabic classes now, so don't worry. I'm going to get with me. I'm going to get it right next time. It has been a pleasure, Ali K. If I haven't offended you, he'll come back. You'll bring more. 
more of them. More of them, the other. And we'll get to know each other. Exactly. Thank you so much, Molly. And that's going to wrap things up here. What did you think? Share your comments, your concerns on iTunes, where you can subscribe to the Mideast Peace podcast. We're on SoundCloud. We're on the web at themideastpeace.com. Of course, we're on Facebook, The Mideast Beast. Twitter, you can follow us at MideastBeasties. I want to thank Scott Kahn, our editor and producer. He had to change the voice, so that was a little bit tricky. You guys out there, this one for me, I had, like I said in the interview, a million more questions. Do you have questions? You got to send them our way. We need to hear from you. More to come. This is the Mid East Beast Podcast.